bought a Charlize. Cut on. We bought an Ice Cube Sun. We bought South Africa. Oh, no. Still don't oh, have water. That that's, brings that's, up. Still don't have water. Brings up some problems. I forgot Charlize was South African. She's a wow. listen. song great lyrics man <laughs> hello good rhymes welcome to we bought a mic non-catch-up corner just straight up good talking of the newest cinematic release of the weekend move over avengers yeah from the sick move over the intruder <laughs> from the sick <laughs> twisted mind of seth rogan uh it's... cinematic game changer seth rogan yes Long shot. Shouldn't shots. we have just done The Intruder and just done Dennis Quaid is racist? <laughs> yeah, top three Dennis Quaid. <laughs> top three Dennis Quaid uh, racist your, yeah. performances. Yours, mine, and ours. He's low-key uh, racist. A Dog's Journey, mm-hmm. A Dog's Purpose. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't even think of any Dennis Quaid movies. He just- Twister. Oh, um, He's in Twister. Uh, uh, the Day After Tomorrow oh, mm-hmm. with yeah, uh, right. Jake. Vantage Point. Yes. <laughs> Great. He's America's dad, you know? Anyway- we're talking long shot, and we're talking top three Seth Rogen films. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm Ernest. Projects. I am Hunter, Hunter. Drew. And I'm Drew. And before you get into list, oh, Seth, top Seth Rogen films, what are you, fucking barstool sports? <laughs> fucking, yeah. No, listen. This is cinema. No, I'm joking. We just, we didn't, I, I assumed that we weren't going to go for an hour on long shot. Call me crazy. Not, I'm not <laughs> even saying it's bad. I'm just saying, what is there? There's not an hour to talk about. So, hey, Seth Rogen has made- other movies. Mm-hmm. This I, is we, called producing a podcast. So you know what? Whenever we, uh, <laughs> whenever I was making this list of top three that we'll get to later on, I was like, why don't we just do top three Shirley's? <laughs> okay, it's been Fate of the Furious three times. Yeah, let's. Her just in a. In should a we talk room. about Shirley's Theron just right now? Yeah, let's just talk about Shirley's one of like the last movie stars that we. We don't have, have to talk about the movie. She is so talented. She's had three waves to her career. Like she's riding this third wave now, and she's arguably more popular than she's ever been. I mean, there's plenty of scenes in this movie that I was like, Charlize, why are you in this movie? Just fucking you're kick so me in the head, good. Charlize. Like you're acting. Way better than this movie needs you to act. Yeah, you're insanely talented, and you're just in this like funny, like weird Seth Rogen rom com. I was, I was like, man. It, so then I, I looked up her career, and she's been in a lot of movies, kind of like well, this. Well, she, yeah, she makes a lot mm-hmm. of uh, interesting choices. She's not going full indie mode, and she's not going full street mode, and she's not going full goofy mode. Like, she's a little bit of each. And I, I like that. I like that she's kind of down to do a variety of types of projects, because she's never bad in any of them. She won her Oscar for Monster, uh, yeah. which was directed by Patty Jenkins, I think she won an Oscar for yeah, that. Yeah, she won an Oscar for that. Yeah, so that was like famously she, you know, gorgeous Thar- Charlize was transformed into this really like uh, almost disgusting. Yeah, it, mo- it, it it's deals called with monster. the case of um, I can't remember her name, but Just like pretty really much the most famous gross. like female serial killer. Yeah. Um, she was also guys... in the the Italian Job. Yeah, the Italian with Marky Job. Mark. I was what's y'all's favorite Charlize performance? I uh, do. Fury Road. Yeah. Like, well, she does so much of acting, of like 
capital A yeah. acting. And right. also, uh, my number 10 movie of last year, Tully. Tully. So my favorite movie she's in is Fury Road, but my favorite performance is Tully. I actually, she I, she carries I would have loved for her to get nominated for an Oscar for that movie, but it didn't generate much buzz at also, all. Also, hey, she was in The Fate of the Furious. Let's not forget she that. She did all of, she got paid like 500 mil to just do all of her stuff in a dark lidded van with no other actors near her. Mm-hmm. Also, she was in Atomic Blonde, which I didn't see. Yeah, she has been trying to be like an action star. She's taken a couple of swings at this. Aeon Flux was like her notable, like huge flop that she had. Uh, she was right in Prometheus. Yep, she was in Prometheus. Uh, another another great performance that I talked about was Young Adult, which was mm-hmm. another Jason Reitman film that she uh, that she did back in 2011. Great, great, great. She's movie. in A Million Days to Die in the West. Um, oh man, she was in Hancock with Will. Yeah. Hey, she is great in Hancock. Yeah. Like for a movie that's not very good, she brings she's, so much. She's super powered, right? Yeah. They're both like. Yeah, spoilers for Hancock, I get. Oh. Jesus, that's like the big <laughs> twist, but it's fine. You don't have to see Hancock. He's he's the original anti hero. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, she's been active since 1995, according to Wikipedia. So it's been a long time coming, but finally. Finally, President Charlize. <laughs> Finally, she gets to act opposite Seth Rogen. Rogen. So move over, Mark Wahlberg. Mm. Move over, Tom Hardy. Mm. Move over, Vin Diesel. It's time for Long Shot. Mm-hmm. It's the movie we've all been waiting for. <laughs> it's the two titans of cinema, Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron. Together at last. So, uh, so I'm gonna guess that you didn't like this based on the way that you. No, I, this I, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. Like I didn't hate it. I thought it was solid. I, uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it for the most part. You know. So yeah, let's I didn't t- hate it. Let's talk about who made this movie. Uh, so it's written by. The story is written by Dan Sterling, who wrote for South Park and King of the Hill. So he has comedy chops. Uh, and also he wrote The Interview, which is, you know, a very mid movie. Uh, but then the screenplay itself is written by Liz Hanna, who wrote The Post. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the reason I wanted to do the Rogan top list is because his production career really interests me. Yeah. Sometimes more than his acting. Uh, and he and Evan Goldberg, his writing partner, did produce this movie. So, of course, they had a pass at the script. Like, there are plenty of jokes added by them and there's plenty of improv. But kind of a weird... Uh, Weird choice. <laughs> so I um I was actually I just listened to an interview with uh, Jonathan Levine who directed this. He also directed uh Fifty Fifty Warm Bodies. Um, I think he the made night the night before the which night I before. haven't seen. Um, but he's directed like some he's directed Seth Rogen before, and this script has basically been in works for like five years. Like it was written during the Obama administration. Interesting. And they of course they had to rework some stuff with. Trump to add kind of some of that symbolism in there but this isn't like it was it wasn't written to be like this timely thing it was kind of been in the works for forever but what delayed this all was trying to figure out who was going to be the perfect Charlie's character like who was going to be Seth Rogen was going to be this kind of like liberal reporter um kind of 
person almost playing like somebody from like the Young Turks. Um, almost trying what he's going for, but yeah. even more like ultra progressive, ultra he's, yeah, he's progressive. like Chapo level, yeah, Chapo trap house. Well, the movie originally was called Flarsky, which mm. is his name. Yeah, changed um, uh, it to Long Shot. What Better we, name? What are we thinking about that? Well. I can see why they wanted to call it Flarsky because fun name, the, yeah, fun name, and also Rogan for the bulk of this movie is kind of this cartoonish creature. Yeah, and Flarsky is like a, it's, it's like a cartoon character. It's you like know, yeah, it's like wearing, not a name. He's, <laughs> he's wearing like the weird nineties yeah, neon weird jacket, like an ultra Jew, and this. the and the you know the flat bill cap. So it, he is kind of like a. a a live action cartoon yeah. character. Anyway, though, we should read the the synopsis really quick. When Fred Flarsky uh, reunites with his first crush, one of the most influential women in the world, Charlotte Field, he charms her. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> I didn't write this. Wait, is that, is that on IMDb? <laughs> yeah. yeah. As she prepares to make a run for the presidency, Charlotte hires Fred as her speechwriter, and sparks fly. Yeah. So. Uh, all right, I guess there's things to spoil in this movie. Uh, yeah, I mean, of. I did want to say, before we get into spoilers or anything, I actually found this movie delightful. Um, I had a good time in the theater watching it. I thought that it had some really good laughs. I was shocked at Seth Rogen and Charlize Theron having such good chemistry. I disagree. I mm. was mm. all in on their chemistry. I think that it really, really worked. And I actually think that this is probably the best dramatic performance that Seth Rogen's ever given. Uh, this isn't a dramatic movie. Like, it is very much a comedy. It's a very much classic rom-com. But I liked it because this is a movie that we don't really see or talk about anymore. This mid-budget comedy uh, yeah, right. rom-com. And I like I like rom-coms, guys. Like, I'll say it. I fucking love How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days and 50 First Dates and all those classics. <laughs> those are, are the two we? classics. <laughs> are the two. <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question. Is Seth Rogen a hunk? Okay. Has he reached hunk status? No, of he's course. reached dad bod status, which is he a has, hunk in itself. He actually has lost a lot of weight, um, and he looks healthier. But here's the thing: a lot of people were really not sold on that angle. Like, uh, she's beautiful and he's ugly. Have you seen any couple ever? Yeah. <laughs> There's always somebody's always settling. Yeah, well, no, ninety nine percent of men are just disgusting little pig. <laughs> like, we're all gross. We're all uglier than women for the most part. Like that's not you know who Charlie's Theron has dated Sean Penn. He's Ugh. uglier than Seth Rogen. He's I'd the ugliest person in the yeah. world. Like that's not the thing that you shouldn't be sold on. The thing is he's also low status in the movie. That's the bigger sell because like there are plenty of like ugly dudes with hot girlfriends, but they're not all Secretary of State. Um, so that's that's a dumb thing to get caught up on, I think. But listen. I enjoyed the movie. I think you said the same thing. It's an enjoyable movie. I did. Um, there's there's a, a lot of good laughs. Th I mean, the, yeah, the main thing I took away is there's a more than respectable amount of laughs in the movie. Genuine mm. laughs, like solid performances. A lot of very funny people are in, are in the cast of the movie. Um, I felt a little insulted a few times in terms of how they handle politics in the dumbest uh, possible sense that that did get to me a couple of times uh some lines were clunky some scenes were clunky it's not a perfect movie my theater liked it it seemed a lot of laughs my theater did not like the end i did not like the end uh but listen, I don't know what we were expecting. It's about what I was expecting. Yeah, I mean, there's some Seth Roganisms in here. Like, that. there's plenty the of moments that are, like, 
yeah, and some of them actually are humorous. Um, there's one scene whenever he's first pulled in by Charlotte Fields where he has to empty out his pockets, which I thought was actually uh, classic it Rogan. Was, it was, but it it worked. I like the last Seth Rogan movie that I remember seeing is Sausage Party, and I hate that movie. I think that movie sucks. Like, I really, I think that movie it's too much. It made me dumber by watching <laughs> that movie. Like, I feel like I lost IQ points for sitting through that movie. Bold take, and. I don't think that's that bull of a take. Yeah, I know. I'm joking. <laughs> I, I, I thought uh, Sausage Party was solid. I, see, I, I saw it, but I was so drunk. <laughs> and I was with a bunch of drunk friends. It's and a perfect so I can't, drunk movie. Yeah, so I can't. I don't know how it is. Um, I watched that movie painfully sober, and I hated that's, every minute. Well, that's of it. your fault. <laughs> I should have known. Yeah. Maybe I should have gotten a drink before Long Shot. But I actually, <laughs> I really did like it. I mean, this. It's it's a tropey movie. It's a rom com. Like it isn't doing anything to like advance the genre of romantic comedies. But this is also like a billion times better than any other rom com made by Netflix. So like I'm yeah. okay that this has some uh, some like very tropey moments to it all. Also, I, don't, I thought I don't the performances think... were actually good across the field. I loved Bob Odenkirk. As our uh, yeah, TV pseudo, pseudo Trump president, Bobby-o. yeah, more lovable Trump, has, I guess. Has Charlize... Andy Circus? Oh, okay, let's well, talk about that's Andy gonna Circus. be the last 30 minutes. We're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna wait. He is this gross, <laughs> he's so gross, kind of rabid looking. He's he's a mix of uh, Rupert Murdoch, Steve like Bannon, Coke. Steve Bannon, and an angry warthog. Well, he I think he he saw succession and he was like Brian Cox. I want to do that, but like with some sort but, like, of very disease, yeah. <laughs> yeah. with some sort of he's, like he, rabies type. Yeah, disease. he has all these ugly prosthetics. We don't need it because like it's not like Mike Myers where you're like, oh, that's Mike Myers. You don't like we don't know Andy Serkis's face that well. You can just be him. He's not that good looking anyway. I've already submitted him for best supporting actor at the Oscars. Yeah, the yeah. campaign starts now. <laughs> That um, was way over I, the top. I did want to ask, has Charlize been in a rom-com before? Because we were just running through some of her roles, but just looking through this, I don't, I don't think she's think been she's in a straight been up. she's ever been in like a straight Yeah, never think. There's been like romance in her movies. Yeah, like young adult. Straight, but that's rom-com. not a rom-com. Yeah, but exactly. And neither is Tully. Exactly. I mean, this, it, it works because of what they do with her character. You know, she's this politician. She's this kind of fearless leader. And it's not... It's not a movie that's fully centered around Seth Rogen trying to get the girl. There's a lot more happening in the plot that I really appreciated with her trying to push this environmentalist agenda that I I found really – it was cool. I mean it could have – it doesn't have – the movie doesn't have to do those things to kind of build out the intricacies of like what her political campaign is. Yeah, I mean, uh, but she's I, very one platform. Uh, that, yeah, that's just kind of the her only thing is not, saving the environment. But the but... movie's not about that. Yeah, and, and it, that that kind of just aligns with what you expect from rom coms and what we see in these like shitty, shitty Hallmark movies, where it's you know there's only one trait to the character yeah. and that you're you can just run with that. So it does kind of align with that. But the movie it. It just does the bare minimum to be like, okay, let's set this up to give you enough, and then we can kind of focus on the hijinks of what this relationship yeah. uh, kind of leads to. I, I will say, once once their romance started, I was really I loved it. Um, like they, I I agree they had solid chemistry. I just think 
it didn't play out quite how I wanted it to. When they first uh, hook up, which is not a spoiler, it's what the movie's about, loved it. I loved everything leading up to it, and I loved that. Uh, there are scenes in that section of the movie where I do think their chemistry works pretty, pretty well, but I don't think it's super consistent throughout the whole film. Yeah, I, I think the agree. movie the movie's too long. It's like over two hours, and that middle chunk of them kind of you know getting together and touring it felt like it was maybe a little bit too long and then i also thought the end bit was a little too long so you could have easily trimmed like probably 15 minutes out of the movie and been fine um and i i just think that there were too many scenes where i just didn't i wasn't fully sold on the Um, chemistry between these two actors even though there are scenes where like i was genuinely happy to see them together and having their relationship kind of flourish it it did work for some scenes Uh, i i was but so yeah i can i can be around your area on that uh but i want to expand to talk about the rest of the cast because i think there are some real gems uh involved here o'shea jackson jr yes um ice cube's son uh, most notably played Ice Cube in the Straight Outta Compton movie. I thought he was very funny. Yeah. He's also in he's... Ingrid Goes West. Yeah, he is. He's, he's the landlord. Right? Yeah, he's great in that. He is. He is genuinely, like, he has chops in this. He he is a comedic actor in oh, this movie. Oh, man, the GOP, G-O-D. Yeah, that was, that, that, was, was, that was great. Um, we'll say that for spoilers. I guess that's kind of we a also, spoiler. Yeah, we also have two, uh, uh, Charlize Theron's two helpers are... Um, June Diane Raphael, who is very funny, and uh, you may not know this, married to Paul Shear. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah. Um, so we she's have a good. I here. did not like her character. No, her character. Uh, you know, it's it's the classic rom com pushback character. Yeah, exactly. It's like I don't want this to happen. And I like. I really got tired of her. I thought that she was actually going to kind of turn a heel whenever she establishes a relationship with another character who's in this movie, Robbie Battelle. Yeah, and I thought that that was gonna like make things be like, oh, see, we're just like yeah. you, and unlikely couple. She's Robbie but Patel, they they never guy. actually have that situation. I actually, I I won't say, I was never insulted by the politics. Like, it seems (laughs) like you guys were. Um, There was, like, certain things that were, like, kind of, like, eye-rolly. But um, I I guess we're going to slightly move into spoilers here. It's fine. It's a rom-com. It doesn't, just like any other rom-com, it doesn't matter if you know the plot. You know what's going to happen anyways. (laughs) But I did kind of like how it sets up this whole idea of basically sticking to your guns versus um the, finding the theme, a middle ground yes of the like theme this, of compromise the theme of compromise yes. i thought that that actually worked really well in this I movie that. that this whole idea of like you can't just be like dig your heels in the trenches and then just like stick that this is it and it's all or nothing on this thing because nobody nothing would ever get done that way but it's all about finding a middle ground somewhere and they use this whole analogy of trees bees and oceans trees bees and seas and it's just like if you're just left with bees then what else do you really have here yeah but but i think that works because of uh charlise's characters uh what's her name uh Uh, charlotte fields fields yeah um i was about to say sally field (laughs) uh her whole thing about uh that's kind of what just goes into politics you know it's all about compromise it's all about trying to get the most done possible even if it's not the full mm-hmm. nine yards like the full yeah. thing that you want to accomplish that that idea it bothered me at first i liked where we end up 
because it ends with a message that's more about being uncompromising. Uh, but that notion is dangerous if it's interpreted the wrong way because, you know, this is a totally apolitical podcast. But if we look at the primary candidate whose main idea is compromise, that's not the guy that we're rooting for, is it? Right. Uh, <laughs> Especially when it comes to the environment. And I think that when by them picking the environment as kind of like the political through line in this movie, it was a welcoming surprise for me to have the movie like grapple with these themes um, but it does make it so there's this kind of juggling being done of, yes, this this can apply to certain political issues where you can accomplish things at yeah. an incremental level. Oh, yeah. But the when you're talking about the fate of the planet and the fate of, like, the future of the Earth, you know, you can't – it's hard to, to – to play with that and to infuse that into like political games. Well, yeah. And that's why I like how it ends on a note of not compromising. Yeah. I really, I do appreciate that. I just feel like it was a bit too dumbed down in general. I think, like you said, this was originally written during the Obama era. I think it makes a lot more sense for that era. A lot of the things going on in the script. Now I think we just, we live in an era where a lot of us are a lot more hyper aware of how things are received by the media so to see the reception that certain things get in this movie is really jarringly stupid to me. Um, even even down to little things toward the beginning of the movie. Uh, Fred Flarsky even being anywhere near the Secretary of State would be a massive news story. Yeah. Not, not just being with her. Being on her little uh, trip with her would be like, hey, this radical leftist is with the Secretary of State who wants to run for president. And he's writing her speeches. That would be everywhere. And, and just the way he looks, too. Which yeah, is what yeah. I was kind of getting at earlier with saying that he's kind of this cartoon character. It's like, dude, can, can't you just, like wear something different can you like get a haircut maybe shave yeah you know that there is this level of kind of absurdity to the whole thing that i kind of accepted i certain things i just let fly by because i wasn't worried about this story well being yeah that's the thing is we are real, watching a rom realistic. like you said yeah. hunter like we're watching a romantic comedy there's a level of of wishy-washy like whateverness that's totally fine it just felt like a bit much to me i have a quote by the great rob serling Rod, Rod Sterling, <laughs> Dan you're, you're Sterling. Take two? <laughs> um, I have a quote by the great Rod Sterling. Uh, quote: Whenever you write, whatever you write, never make the mistake of assuming that the audience is any less intelligent than you are. Yeah. Uh, I, of course, that that notion cannot always be true. There will always be lowest common denominator stuff out there. But I think they could have assumed a little bit more out of their audience, just a little bit, and it would have really paid off for me. I was glad to see Rogan in this type of role. Um, you know, I, I don't think that the chemistry works 100%, but when it does, I just thought to myself, like, wow, this is kind of cool that, that Rogan's gotten to this point where he can be like a leading man he in a romantic comedy. Chops. He has some chops that he shows off more so than anything yeah. else that he's ever done before. He's he's not your conventional hunk, and he's not gonna be. It's Seth yeah. Rogen we're talking about here, but just the fact that he's in this role, he's still doing his wacky, weird Seth stuff, but he can also do some of like the more heartfelt kind of uh, heart eyes emoji type thing that any basic vanilla <laughs> ass. Uh, <laughs> 
rom-com lead can do. So I think that's what elevates this movie is like it's it could just be this very down the middle rom-com that we've seen a million times, but the fact that it's about this sort of political topic and that we have Rogan and Charlize in these roles, it it elevates it. It elevates it because it just that alone just makes it different and it it makes for this sort of tired uh we've seen a million times the uh, story to be spun in a little bit of a new light yeah i i had a uh, couple of things i wanted to bring up one uh just going back to how good charlise is in this movie um she really does feel like a politician like she carries that mantle very well when it's just like she doesn't have time to watch game of thrones or watch all these movies but she just reads plot synopsises for things she so that she feels like in up. the loop like i do you know what, like, the life for, like, a normal president or anybody working in that kind of a system is like? It seems like it's fucking hell. Like, you just don't sleep because you always have to be on alert that, like, something catastrophic in the world could happen. And I think that she really carries that mantle well. One thing I will say about the politics is that one thing that I think that it actually did do well, um, because it doesn't, it ends on a note where it's kind of uncompromising a little bit, but it doesn't immediately, it does tell you not to immediately cast judgment. And that's kind of the scene. We're just moving into spoilers now at this point. Whatever, it's fine. Um, but the scene that we have with um, Seth Rogen and uh, O'Shea, uh, O'Shea Jackson Jr., um, I love that scene because it's just like somebody who's your best friend that you guys share all these like interests with and everything else. But he could also be a Republican. It doesn't mean that he's racist. It doesn't mean that he's sexist or anything else. But because of the society that we live in now, social issues, which are something that always used to be in the background, are now more in the forefront than ever. But taking those things aside, if you're like just a business owner, you're like, yeah, I'll save money for my business. I like the taxes, the tax system of Republicans. That it imagines this where there is more of a middle ground where you can still like – be best friends with somebody who's on the other side that doesn't mean that they're a bad person it's because of the way that the climate that we're in now that we're almost conditioned to think that way but i feel like that doesn't necessarily mean that we can immediately cast judgment upon somebody if you grew up a republican just because you like tax structures a certain way or you're like really into the idea of capitalism and everything else that's more something where we can have a conversation together than just being like i think that all Mexicans or terrorists and that's well that's why I think uh, I didn't realize that the that the script was five years old but that's a perfect example of a dated aspect of the script <laughs> because in the past five years the Republican Party has completely changed in the public but eye. I mean the, the Republican Party in the public eye but I still think that there are Republicans out there who are now like basically stuck without a party because think about it like I um. I, I'm thinking, for example, um, a guy, uh, Jacko, he's a writer. Um, he's also a friend of Bill Simmons' podcast, but they always, like, he'll have him on there, and they talk politics and everything else because he was, like, a longtime conservative, but he hates Trump. And he's just like, my options for the upcoming election are I vote for Trump, who I hate, or I vote for, like, Bernie Sanders, who I disagree with, like, just because, like, I don't agree with the way that he uh, structures or wants to organize the government. So then you're kind of just this old classic party is like left without yeah. anybody. And I'm glad the scene didn't dive into all of the muddiness of that and that it just it it did enough to kind of set up what it meant for this relationship between these two guys, between the friendship, and it made for like a really good joke 
mm-hmm. and a really humorous moment and then the reaction that Seth has to that is is great yeah, so it's very just funny as a as a scene I, I think it worked and throughout there's a lot of really really great comedy I think uh, now that we're in spoilers I'll shout out the the Molly scene uh, I thought it was gonna go more over the top. But this movie not being written or directed by Seth, it just doesn't go. Great, great as... scene of her in the Situation Room. Yeah, and... <laughs> that I thought that was great. Just her kind of dealing with this hostage situation on drugs. Uh, that was that was really great. And you know, that's a, another example of my point earlier. That that's not something that would happen in real life. You wouldn't have the Secretary of State on drugs like. Yeah, after a night of partying situation yeah yeah exactly yeah exactly we don't need to audit the reality level of this movie but but in in the story that we're seeing play out here it works it works it's a comical moment it's a nice character moment for charlie's and for the the love story relationship that we're seeing here so and there's a lot of moments like that that carry the the momentum of the story through that tie to the politics to the political story and to the love story at yeah. the same time. And uh speaking to like there obviously is an inherent problem like with this attractiveness gap that we're talking about. I don't mean to dismiss it entirely by bringing up the attractiveness gap of most relationships, but the the bigger problem is that there have been movies that have handled this exactly the wrong way. Things like, you know, fucking I love you Beth Cooper. Uh she's out of my league where the whole point is to give like ugly dudes a fantasy of just getting a hot girl. I don't think this that's the objective of this movie and that's why it's more forgivable even if it again it is a really dated idea for a movie um but I don't think that most men are daydreaming about dating the secretary of state for example you know what I mean I don't think that the point of the movie is for the boys to be like oh I could I could get the I president yo I could date the Maybe president as long bro. as my babysitter whenever she grows up is a famous politician well, see, then that's, I have a chance. That, that's why I think it works ultimately because they have a prior history together mm. because yeah, it wouldn't work if they other. were just the, the movie would completely fall apart if they yeah. had no background knowledge of each other yeah before but then that's yeah I, and but, it's a genuinely sweet moment at the end when she tells him I love you and he's like I've loved you since I was 12 years old. Yeah. I was like, that was, that, that, that was really genuinely worked for me. effective. Yeah. It, it did give me chills in the theater. Like whenever they um, have that moment together, uh, I did want to use this time. If we are talking about, it, what did you guys think of the Seth Roganisms there in this movie? Specifically 12 year old boy getting a boner and, uh, him nutting on his own face. I thought, okay. So the first one, I thought that was going to come back. We're just like kind of spoiling at this point, but it's not that big a deal. Right. No, we should do a poll. I, I said of... I said that there was a spoiler. Oh, that, did we already uh, yeah, do a spoiler I, thing? I declared that I was making a spoiler thing. So okay, okay. hopefully somebody like had their phone nearby. They were like, shit, shit, shit. I, I mean, it's it off. we it's should long shot. Like I know we should be mad about spoiling. We should shot? we should pull the listeners on if anyone at all actually skips the spoiler sections anyway. Uh, but yeah, so I I think I'm with what you were about to say on this, which is uh, twelve year old boner, really funny scene. It should have come back to the plot in some way to have some sort of acknowledgement from either yeah. adult set. Uh, well, we I mean the scene where that is introduced is hilarious when he tells the story yeah. to his friend to Ice Cube Junior. Uh, it has that's almost, a great the way that scene. it's directed almost is like Edgar Wright vibes, like the way that's like almost like flashy and like very like purposefully looking like a flashback mm-hmm. i don't know it, it seemed it gave me a little bit of like edgar wright with kind of the way that's cut the way that like we see or um specifically in super bad where it's him drawing the pictures of dicks like that kind <laughs> yeah. of flashy editing I, I, yeah i really enjoyed but that. i really think it, it, it 
in the script that should have that was a setup that was never uh, paid off. Yeah. The coming That's on the face, um, really don't like. I that. hated that scene. Uh, well, <laughs> I hated that. Not only, why do we have to see that? Well, not like, only. Why? Well, not only is it like a you know a gross out like Fairly Brothers style moment, but it's it's really ruined the DNA of the movie for me. Pun intended. Uh, <laughs> it like it the puzzle piece of like how the movie resolves that is too much of a problem for Seth Rogen to have for this movie to end happily. I'm very sorry, but the the ending was absolutely ruined she, for me. Yeah. Because of this. Like I really did not like the ending of this movie. I don't think that with everything that was set up, this is not a movie where everyone has their cake and eats it too by the end. Why? I just don't like think I just so. don't know why he had to like come on his face, why that was the thing. It could have just been they could have just left it at like, oh, he was like masturbating to this girl. Like that's embarrassing enough, but that's something that they could move past together if she's just like, Yeah, you know what? We're dating, so that's okay. That's something that I could have forgiven more, but it's just like why why did we have to see that? You just yeah. It's it was absolutely insane. That was when the movie exited Earth for me, because, right? Especially because it's during her sp- uh, campaign announcement speech yeah. on television, like uh, to the nation. She's just like, yeah. So you're uh, cut to my now boyfriend coming on his. Well, face. and also this plays into the kind of the dumbed down politics that I was talking about, where this Andy Serkis, uh, Rupert Murdoch character is like, well, we hacked into his c- computer camera because that's a hot button issue, yeah. and we watched him jacking off, and then he's on the phone later, like, release the video, release the <laughs> yeah. like. Rupert he's Murdoch so isn't. Yeah, Rupert is not the one making the. He's not the one calling that shot. Um. I don't know. Yeah, Before I just we... I want I wanted a scene of like the people actually in charge of the news station just being like, um, so the president of this company sent me a video of a guy jizzing all over his face, and we have to run yeah, it on run all it. channels. Yeah, exactly. It's absolutely <laughs> absurd. Like I said, we live in an era where we are all all too aware of the news cycle and how things are processed through it, and that specifically was too much for me there's a level of suspension of disbelief obviously and i was on board for a large part of the movie i completely left during that um a couple other positives i wanted to say uh best use of boys to men in a movie that i've ever seen that was a great scene um that whole party scene was great that was that was all great i loved that whole thing best use of frank ocean's cover of moon river yes that i've ever heard that was an awesome beautiful surprise. like truly beautiful the way that's portrayed um I we should say this movie did win the audience award at um South, at by, South, South by Southwest. Really? Yeah, it won the audience award. Mostly, be, I mean, this is a crowd pleasing movie. Like I saw this with a, movie. like a very eclectic group of people, a lot of old people, which don't know if they were ready for that. They're <laughs> like, I really like the Charlize. I've never heard of the Seth Rogen character oh, before man. though, so I don't know how they felt about it. I mean, this is a but, this is an R rated movie. Yeah, like, a lot of fucks, hard R, a lot, lot of a yeah. lot of cursing. We. See, come on a face. Um, <laughs> not there's how like you, plenty not of how you sex. Would want to see it, yeah, no. Um, but uh, it makes sense. And also at South by Southwest, after the set ended or after the show ended, Boys to Men came on stage and played music. Oh, so come that might have. That might have. <laughs> Good job um, by Lionsgate there. Good job by the production so, crew getting that one. I, yeah, I did enjoy them very much being in the movie. The movie itself, I think, had too many pop culture jokes, uh, and that's something you could say of a lot of Rogan stuff. But in particular, because they call out the ex- exploitation of pop culture and nostalgia in With the, the speech, speech writing. writing. And yeah. you could call that kind of like poking fun at themselves. But there were too many. There is an amount that is totally fine. 
Uh, and this is this was a lot too many for me, uh, particularly at the end when O'Shea Jackson just says Wakanda forever with no joke. Oh. That was that was there's no horrible. joke. It's just I saying a thing that. from a movie. Yeah. And that ha- did that happen a cringe. few times where people just bring up a movie and they don't really twist it in any fun way. It's the it's like the family guy style of writing exactly. Where you can just Deadpool. Say something that, yeah. yeah. So there's two more things I want to talk about. First. Alexander Skarsgård as Prime Minister. <laughs> I, oh, I liked it. He was great. I loved him. Yeah, I after after his watching yeah, after watching Big great. Little Lies, I was like, <laughs> this guy's gonna murder her. He is he is going to beat the shit out of her and just kill her. No, so he, I was very scared of him. He was very pleasantly funny. Like he he did a great job. I know, but I was just looking at his face um, and I, I was terrified. <laughs> An- another shout out this uh, Fox and Friends news crew. Oh I man, that was, was really good. Really funny group. Colt yeah. Kurt Brownoller, who's always a bit part and stuff. Uh, he would be a lot more famous if he didn't look that way. Uh, Paul Shear, who we see all the time, and then Claudia O'Doherty, From who's love. Yep. awesome Australian actress and comedian. She throws the mug at his face yeah. at the end. Yeah. Um, I yeah, I thought their little cutaways were really funny, if a bit on the nose, but that's fine. Uh, and then the other thing is, I think one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie, the opening scene. Of the oh the Nazis the, the yeah Nazis. we do see like some far right conservatives like right where this movie takes off and um I did I love that whole scene I loved the tattoo that he was getting to go along with the reveal and then how he twists the tattoo into yeah I thought all of that was great and just the 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 introduction of him being a journalist by just showing his phone recording the thing a bit you know obvious like somebody would have seen that he's like in the circle pulling it out to press record but you know from a screenwriting perspective it's it's perfect to like introduce the character that way and just tell us that he is a um, a journalist uh and then also quick shout out to Randall Randall, Randall Park, Park yeah. as the editor. Very funny. Um, Very brief. And then also that introduces that theme of compromise, how he just decides to quit just because the paper is being bought by an entity that the paper has criticized. Yeah, I mean, I, I will say it's not handled like perfectly or anything else like that, but I felt that that was, it was an interesting through line that I was not expecting for this movie to kind of touch on this whole idea of compromise with uh, political entities that I thought overall they did a solid job well, with. Yeah, just the fact that they involved politics so much and it wasn't a train wreck that completely alienated one side of the audience. I thought that that was very impressive. The theme of compromise, I still have to say, is uh, a naive thing to put in a 2019 movie. And especially like, <laughs> especially how it ends how it just kind of like, well, sometimes you don't have to compromise when your boyfriend jizzes all over But, himself. I mean, do you want every movie that's political to be Sorry to Bother You or Black Klansman, though? Like, no. Well, no, I'm just yeah. saying, like, five years ago, it would have made a lot more sense to exist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Than, than right now. Uh, it is a movie that was written back then. <laughs> like, that d- doesn't surprise me at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, the nitty-gritty of the ending I want to talk about. Um, he comes on his face. The video is released. Uh, or well, it's not released at first, and there's there's a great little character breakup when when they meet up at his place and they mutually agree Effective. that yeah. they, they cannot be together. I like that Good she no, neither of them were was like uh really hostile toward the other one. They were both mm-hmm. like we can't be together. Uh, I appreciated that scene a lot. And then she just, you know, she has the ultra corny, you know, crumbling up speech notes, throwing them out yeah. the window. <laughs> I would be disappointed. So. 
she so spills obvious. the beans. Murdoch screams on the phone, release the video. Video's released. Chris she's calling him Murdoch. The video's released. In this speech that's nationally televised, she's saying fucking shit and all this stuff. <laughs> and then she's like, yeah, my boyfriend came on his face, but I like it. I like the guy. You know, don't be too mean to yeah, him. Yeah, don't slut shame She me. shows up at his place. They go outside. Everyone's clapping. <laughs> what? No, I'm sorry. That is too much. That is too far. And then she gets elected president. Something has to give with the end of this movie. I think the come on the face has to go. It has to be something lesser than that because that is not something that could ever, ever happen. I would get rid of the come on the face thing. I would get rid of, I would have her be more stoic in her approach to how she handles the actual yeah. speech thing. Saying itself. shit and Don't say, and... just say fucking shit, all this kind of stuff. Even Trump doesn't go out there and say like that kind of shit out and, there, and like, also in a news conference. She she says at one point how it's yeah like, he does <laughs> yeah he does just like fucking shit. He said beat the shit out of him. So I'd love to beat the living shit out of him. But the, I mean, the point is made earlier in the movie. Like a woman politician cannot make any mistake. Right. The yeah. microscope is so That's, insane. That, yeah. And for her to go off notes, say all these is this insane shit. Um. And then continue to date the come on face guy uh, and get elected president. He's in the White House. His portrait of himself is a comic book portrait. It's fucking insane. And that's when I exited the realm yeah. of. But I wish that they but, look cute together. At I would have. I mean, I just really think I get it. It's a rom-com. It has to be people pleasing. But why not go the route of the breakup and just have them actually just be broken up? Just be like, that was a great fling. We do no. love each other, but this can't work. I knew they were going to Well, that's I knew together. that they were going to, but I'm yeah, saying they, that it yeah. would have worked. It, it would have made the movie I so much liked more thematic. I literally like had the same conversation when we saw Crazy Rich Asians and how that movie ends and how it would have made yeah. sense to have that breakup happen. Um, so it's it you can literally apply to every yeah but this rom-com. is I mean this I think is the most egregious I can think of in terms of it's just like, the coming on the face like yeah exactly it why? just it has why? to be a lesser thing for I everyone keep to know coming about back him. to the semen <laughs> it's that is just it's too much it's we wa- we know how the news works we know how going viral works now like this is <laughs> not acceptable screenwriting anymore I'm sorry. If I mean, imagine if Sonic is getting this much Twitter buzz. Mm-hmm. Just imagine what. Yeah, what if he had a big load on his face? <laughs> Maybe that would solve. That's everything. how what they if, fix what it. What if Bill Clinton? There was a video of Bill Clinton jizzing on his face right before Hillary. I mean, if Trump, if, if there was a video of Trump jizzing all over his face, people would love it. it his well, approval yeah. would and go that, up. Well, that's it would why have the highest Pornhub. Yeah, and that's why ever. the compromise theme is so absurd to me in 2019 because. <laughs> Tomorrow doesn't actually maybe, exist anymore. Maybe they could have made that a part of the movie. You know, extend the ending or restructure the last bit a little bit. Cut more. out a little bit from the middle and then so add that, to the end. So that the reason why she wins is because they like the fact that she's dating a viral uh, internet star that just all over himself. I don't know if I would have liked that either, though. Because <laughs> then I would have just been like, oh, this is too, like, trying to be, like, pertinent to the times. Yeah. yeah. All right, well... Long shot. You guys, how did you guys problems. rate it? We never rated it. I'm feeling like a six, six and a half. Yeah, like I feel a like a seven. Yeah, feeling a solid seven. It's I'm not sli- bad. I'm slightly I, higher. I honestly, a movie like this has like a very clear defined ceiling. Like I feel like a seven point five is as good that a movie like this can be. And I thought they yeah. did a pretty good job the, of coming close. To yeah, that. my main issue is because 
like we're going to talk about this at the end and other like Rogan properties. That movie is allowed to end absurdly because it begins and middles absurdly as mm-hmm. well. It's not trying to uh, exist in any realm of existence. It's so that's a lot more excusable. Also, most of his movies are way lower stakes. Uh, so they don't require a tidy ending. A movie with high stakes, I think, needs an ending that fits its uh, everything that builds up beforehand. While while it is nice to see Charlize in a movie like this, I think she's way too good for something like this. I mean, she is she is great in this. You know, yeah, she and- elevates the role, but. I would rather see her doing more stuff like Tully or mm. Mad Max. Well, I think or... I think Seth is really good too. No, and yeah, I, th- I think mm. he is, but I th- I just think she's on another level. Well, yeah, she yeah, of course. Uh, but he yeah, I mean we're let's just get into our we're because we're talking Seth Rogen. Yeah, top three, top three. Yeah, we're gonna do it our our traditional classic patented top three mm-hmm. structure here. Yes. But Seth Rogen in general is. You know, a lot of obviously any film person knows that he's very active behind the behind the scenes of things. R- writer, producer, yeah, and now director. Yeah, he does a lot. He's been writing movie screenplays and producing movies and TV shows since he was in like his early to mid twenties. Mm-hmm. That's unbelievably uh, impressive. And he did get the big come up from Judd Apatow, who brought Judd is amazing. He brings the rising tide with him. He, yeah, so he's freaks, made the careers. And geeks, yeah. um, undeclared. undeclared. Yeah. He's made the careers of more people than I can even count, uh, which is really cool. But Seth has delivered on his pr- the promise of Seth consistently, which is impressive whether or not they're always great movies. Yeah. I think. So our lists are just movies, right? Yeah, we're not doing any fine, TV fine, show. Fine, I'll rework it. <laughs> my number three, and it is number three in my heart, is Freaks and Geeks. Okay. Well, that no, it's that's not even Freaks fair, and though. Geeks slash Undeclared. I mean, Undeclared. That's... He actually wrote a few episodes. And he's a he's so. a more pertinent yeah, character. Well, right. what... I would actually put it to Undeclared over Freaks and Geeks because he does a little bit more. Uh, yeah, because what we are doing is movies he has either starred in and or written slash produced. So if he's just a side character in it, then it doesn't count. If he didn't also write or produce it. Uh, see, I don't know about that though. I don't have a. I he's what is, at least, what is even the point of he's rules, at you least fucking like, guys? I hate well, you guys. Well, okay, he's at because least I'll start in... with with my number three then. Because I was yes, I was thinking exactly that about like what is his main role in these productions? Is he a a significant part of them? But I just really, really wanted to recognize his work in Steve Jobs. Uh, Steve uh, Wozniak. I actually. um, Oh, well, that's fair. That's kind of a main character. Yeah. Right. So that's fine. So that's my number three. I actually that's on my list. I have a list of um, honorable mentions that does make the list because he is really good. Like he shows off some chops. It's his it's his most dramatic role. And he's able to. I mean, that movie is centered around Fassbender and Kate Winslet as like the two powerhouses. And he doesn't reach that level, but he's a great supporting character in that without being like this bumbling idiot that you'd think he would be. You know, he's not going into this prestige, serious uh, film and being like, I'm Seth Rogen. <laughs> like, he's actually doing really great dramatic work supporting uh, Fassbender and Winslet and being this constant presence for steve jobs reminding him like where he came from and like the humble roots where he started fair that's so totally yeah fair. Uh, so steve jobs my number three. three what's yours um my number three is this is the end 
Nice. We're good. That's, we got it on my list. Yeah, we have to wait. All right. All right. Uh, my number three is actually Pineapple Express. Save it. Oh. Well, it's my, it's my number two. Okay. Well, and it's my number two. Okay. So, so we'll just talk about it now then. So he wrote this. Uh, I, he didn't produce it. Uh, this is a little earlier on uh, yeah. before him and Evan started actually being main producers. But I think this was like, aside from this TV stuff, this was like the big coming out party for Seth Rogen. Mm. I, I, I mean, he had bit parts in 40-Year-Old Virgin and other Apatow stuff, but... This was kind of what put him on the map as this formidable comedic force, you know? And this movie is absurd. It's insane. It's violent. It's a little gross and uh, raunchy. But I I love it. Like, it just reaches this level of... Well, it came out also, we should say, at the peak of stoner comedy. Um, like this was really like when I mean 2008 he was in Pineapple Express he was in Step Brothers and he was starred in Zach and Mary Make a Porno mm-hmm. and then which right, is a great movie a year before this he's in Knocked Up which is also he was in well, Step Brothers yeah he plays the sporting goods manager he's oh, just like yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. part in there yeah but yeah no I mean I think that this movie really works this is whenever it really like established him and Franco as this like power comedy duo yeah, together yeah. this movie was a big deal uh, and it is. And I think that I, obviously, I'm a lot more forgiving of its absurdities because it's an absurd movie. Um, it's a, like you said, it's a stoner action comedy. Like it's an extremely goofy movie. Uh, it has a lot of good laughs. It has you know plenty of the things that you you might want a little less of in a Rogan movie, but it delivers on what it promises. Like you see the trailer, you're like, I know what that movie's gonna oh, be. Oh, like. iconic trailer yeah. with the MIA song. Exactly. Ugh. Like it it it's a movie that delivers on its premise more than most stoner comedies do. Most stoner comedies like suck. Um, like have you seen like the um I don't even remember what it's fucking called the the Dave Chappelle movie. Oh, oh um, high, high, how 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 high? No, it's high. not. It's not how high. High school, half baked, half baked. Yeah, there good, we go. Okay. Yeah, how high? <laughs> half baked is the ultimate like uh, movie that like stoners are like people don't realize it, but this movie is actually like a masterpiece. Yeah, yeah or, like, or even no, like the really Cheech not. and Chong movies. Yeah, but and, like Grandma's Boy, all the ones that came before these movies. But this, I think, what makes Pineapple Express so good is that it doesn't just dabble into the violence and the action it It embraces that and it gets it gets gory it gets messy uh and it does it without ever feeling excessive it it keeps its humor throughout it also establishes danny mcbride as a fucking force Mm -hmm. yeah Um, oh yeah and red yeah unfortunately like his starring career is very limited but but Franco's great in it. I mean, you have work from Kevin Corrigan, mm-hmm. a former serious actor. Gary Cole is awesome in this movie. It's a good like it is Craig a Craig Robinson. Um, and it's not... also the opening scene with Bill Hader when they first oh, like yeah. develop yeah. the Pineapple Express. It's, weed. Yeah, it's just it's a movie that doesn't. Old-timey. It takes itself like the right amount of seriously. Like it's not so not giving a fuck that it's bad and like no one actually cared about producing the movie, but it is the tone of it, I think is in a really good middle ground where there are serious moments, but they're really not the point of the movie. I think, I think what Seth and Evan did with this movie um, is they kind of did their version of a Coen brothers movie. Mm. The, the kind of like idiots getting into a violent situation mm-hmm. and just kind of bumbling. That's their a way really good uh, comparison. Yeah. Actually. So it's not like they're imitating. The yeah. Coen it's not brothers, a Coen brothers movie, but 
it's them kind of taking that approach and doing it their own way. Yeah. And I really, really like how much it works without feeling like it's a Coen Brothers ripoff. Okay, so that is your number twos. Mm -hmm. So my number one... Or my number two is, I think, the same as your number one, which is This is the End. Yes. So that's yes. your number one. Yep. This is my number two. I'm a big fan of this movie. Uh, it really kind of blew me away when it came out because I was never big into Rogan stuff. Um, and he kind of had a dry spell post, you know, Green Hornet era. Mm -hmm. uh, that was a dark period <laughs> for him and Evan. Actually, that's my number one. Oh, Green Hornet. <laughs> okay. Oh, shit. Don't ruin my number one. Yeah. Uh, mine is ne Neighbors to Sorority Rising. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this is a movie extremely self-aware. Uh, this is his, uh, well, this is him and Evan directing now. Yeah, they directed it. It's based on a short story written by Jay Baruchel, mm -hmm. friend of, uh, Rogan. You know, everyone in Canada knows each other from what I've, <laughs> from what I've learned. Uh, but yeah, it, it's extremely, it was back when doing meta commentary was not even a little stale yet. Uh, yeah. that would be a lot more stale nowadays, I think. Yeah, but this I, is 2013. I, I was this kind is of, a, a while I back. I wanted to rewatch this movie uh, before we did this list, and I just didn't have time because I do wonder how it views upon rewatches. One thing though that I remember for sure is like I really like Seth Rogen. I think Seth Rogen is really solid in this movie, but Jay Baruchel carries this movie, and that's why it didn't go higher on my list. Is just because I think Jay Baruchel is. He has so much of the weight of this movie because he's just he's the outcast, and it makes sense that he's Jay Baruchel. He's mm -hmm. at this Hollywood party with all these other actors who have yep. gone on to become Rihanna movie stars. Is at this party, Emma Watson, <laughs> fucking um, Michael Sarah is incredible in this movie as this I think, coke lord. <laughs> I think maybe the funniest. Uh, actor in the movie is Jonah Hill. Jonah oh Hill is so God. good because they're all playing. You watch this movie and you're like, yeah, Jonah Hill is gonna be the most successful out of all. If of you, he is, yeah, he is God. If you haven't, level. yeah, if you haven't seen the movie, it is all of these characters are playing themselves. No one is playing a different person. They're playing like very, very exaggerated celebrity, more pompous versions of themselves. Speaking of which, James Franco mm -hmm. is just. <laughs> Because it's it is all kind of through the perspective of Jay Baruchel, who wrote the original short story. So he's like, yeah, Jonah's a pompous asshole. Obviously, in a joking way, they all love each other. Dude, the scene of Jonah with the gun from James Franco's Flyboys, and he's like pointing it at everyone, and like, <laughs> pew, boom, boom. Yeah, <laughs> this is Goal. yeah, this Goal. this is peak. Like, this is an era when being very hyper aware of your own star and your own influence it was so fresh. And seeing this in theaters, I I was really, really into it. Um, like you said, the premise, if it were made today, wouldn't hold up as well. Uh, but back then, it was great. It, it's a really solid directing job. And more than anything, because some of the effects like suck in the movie, like once they exit the house. Yeah, but they don't. It doesn't lean into that. You know, it's a very like contained movie for the most part. Yeah, yeah. You know, and and I think that it it just it's. It kind of encapsulates a couple of different things because it's it is kind of like a stoner movie, um, it is kind of like a meta weird you know self aware type movie, but it's also an apocalypse disaster movie and it's also just like a a very contained yeah. you know scary monster movie too yeah and more important than anything it seems like when they're the the takes that they are choosing for the movie. It seems like all these actors are trying to make each other laugh. Yes. And it seems like they're just having a yeah, good time. They're poking fun at themselves. They're poking fun at everyone else. It seems like a good time. And that leads into me and Hunter's number one movie, which is super bad. 
I, so the, why, the, why would you assume that? Sorry, is it preacher? Yeah, cheater. The the reason why it's super bad didn't make my list is because Seth is in the movie, but he's not. Yeah, but he wrote it. He did write it. He wrote it. But I just I wanted my list to be kind of set Seth acting centric, and this is the end ended up as my number one because he did such a great job directing that. I think that his directing work on this is the end is so worthy of kind of that top spot because it's like it is this grounded uh friends having fun movie but then it just blows up to be this much much bigger thing and it mm. works super bad obviously is a fucking amazing movie like it's great i just i really wanted to recognize steve jobs as well okay that's fair. that's fair um i i just rewatched super bad this week this is like as far as a screenplay goes, this is like a near perfect screenplay. Like every scene flows into each other so well. It is such excellent pacing, this movie. Like it just flies by. The cast of this movie is unbelievable. Of course, we have Jonah Hill and Michael Sarah starring with Christopher Mintz Plassey, but Bill Hader, Seth Rogen, Emma Stone, Joe Latrulio, Kevin Corrigan, fucking Dave Franco plays mm-hmm. this soccer uh-huh. kid. There's a um, let me pull up the guy's name. Clark Dunn, who you might recognize, the kid from Hot Tub Time Machine, has one line in this movie. Yeah. Like he auditioned just, for the Jonah role. Actually, there's so many people in this movie that it's well, just so good. It's so funny. I've seen Superbad. It's probably one of the most like watched movies I've ever seen because as like a 13 year old boy this is like every 13 year old boy's dream yeah part of it is it's like almost like Max Keeble but for like older kids it's like a fantasy mm-hmm. um but yeah this movie you know certain things have an age grade is this a movie written through the male gaze of course it is oh, it, yeah. but it doesn't try and hide that. well yeah the thing is it's a story I've, everyone knows the story that Seth and Evan wrote this when they were like 12 years old together like when they first met each other um and obviously rewrote it when they were funny and made it funny. But <laughs> the the movie is also about – it's about being nervous and it's about being self-loathing and it's about being horny. And that's something I think everyone in in high school, middle school area can, can relate to. Yeah. Um, it's really, really well-directed. Yeah. Like genuinely. Like – and I, I did want to say, like, the first thing I noticed rewatching is the pacing of it is immaculate. Yeah. Like, it just goes. Every scene has a moment that you remember. Every, no, almost, uh, Maybe in the third act, like, two scenes drag just a little bit, but really just, like, but a lot zooms. But a lot of the scenes, even in the third act, that drag, it's, like, purposefully dragging. It's, like, almost painful. Like, some of these party scenes that we have in there, yeah. like, that lead into the sex scenes, which are just the worst sex scenes <laughs> ever imagined. Everything with Bill Hader and Seth Rogen as the cops is just fucking perfect. Yeah. Like, just the two of these guys working together and they're just trying to take McLovin. They obviously know that this kid is like a child and he's not 25 year old. He's not this 25 year old from Hawaiian. But just this whole expedition, the A plot and the B plot are both equally as entertaining in this yeah. movie which it never actually works i love whenever they go to the the first party that they go to the jurla trulio takes them to and fucking like jonah hill just gets period blood on his pants and then it leads to michael Sarah having to do like a george michael impression to like not die uh, so yeah this movie is unbelievable i re- i watched it last week with a dvd commentary on 
top five commentary I've ever heard in my life. Uh, but what about the Blu-ray commentary? Have you listened to that one? It sucked. <laughs> um, a good gauge for if I'm going to like something is how good the blooper reel is. Yeah. If it's a comedy. Uh, because, like we said about this at the end, this was people like having a nonstop party on this set. Like It is just a good time. You can tell that everyone, the chemistry is real. They're actually friends. It reminds me of the Wet Hot documentary where you see mm-hmm. that they're actually just like at camp. They're actually just hanging out with each other and bonding. And it really comes through. Uh, some funny notes from the commentary. Uh, Jonah Hill bullied his way into this part because he was because <laughs> well Jonah. he he met the whole gang Apatow and Rogan and them on Forty uh, Year Old Virgin where he had that tiny bit role and they were like who the fuck is this guy he's so funny uh, and they they became friends and they were like we're not gonna cast you in this movie you're twenty five like we're not, <laughs> we're gonna cast an actual kid and he ended up like like bullying his way into an audition and once he auditioned they were like yeah yeah <laughs> and this is a star maker for him this made him this blew him him the fuck up uh michael sarah was also in his like early 20s when they made this this launched him into like two or three years of genuinely starring in movies which is for michael sarah that's pretty incredible like (laughs) he's hit from arrested development yeah and he's also like unbelievably good in this movie um here's a funny note michael sarah uh, this is unrelated to Superbad, but he auditioned when he was a little kid for the kid in the Sixth Sense role. Oh no! <laughs> oh, man. That's some that be- alternate history. And right they, there. yeah, and he was talking about his line read, and he just he did it like Michael Sarah instead of like crying, and it's, <laughs> it's so funny. Um, now I wanted to say I definitely recommend uh, that listeners of the pod check out the A twenty four podcast. That's an interview between Seth Rogen and Michael yep. Sarah. They really talk about like their time during Superbad and then touring Super bad around europe and how they became like best friends from this whole project lifelong friends friends. yeah it's such an amazing thing it's so genuine and that all comes through in this movie i mean emma fucking stone is the love interest oscar oscar winner emma stone is the love interest and she's actually 17 in the movie like she's so young and she's so she's got bangs and she (laughs) she nails it um McLovin was also actually 17 when they shot this. You can kind of tell. Um, Christopher Mintz Plazzi looks yeah. like a baby. So this movie, <laughs> it launches a ton of careers. It has, I would say, three of the most iconic comedy performances ever in our three main characters. It's a top three all-time Bill Hader movie. Yep. Uh, the first would be, well, his first, I guess, performance, because first would be um, Barry. Second, I would say, is Skeleton Twins, Ooh, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. which is a really good movie. Third is this. He's so he has a lot of lines in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he's all over it. He's kind of he, Bill Hader. Kind of has the dream life for anyone who thinks they're kind of funny. Like any dude is like, yeah, I'm pretty funny. I could probably be in movies because that's what happened to him. Like people meet him and like Seth just calls him like, hey, do you want to just like figure something out? Come be on the set, and he's just in the movie because he made up like all of his lines yeah i mean well <laughs> he really did i mean one of the things where you can really kind of see the chops of him is uh in the bar scene that they have with mclovin where they go in there and they're kind of talking about the uh you know fogel is just like oh yeah maybe we can meet some ladies in here and everything mm-hmm. else and he's just like it's played for laughs but it's like bill Hader plays it very seriously talking about his ex-wife has met her in a bar and then she found her she was an actual whore. She was just whoring <laughs> herself on the street. But, like, he plays this so seriously that it's, like, hilarious. But also you can kind of see that he has the acting chops here. To do yeah, I mean, like he's, a, he's a god. I can't even – I can't talk about Bill enough. He got paid as a writer for South Park. He didn't write a word for South Park. He was just there when they wrote it. 
like just that's that's out. his whole thing. Anyway, what um, happened to this other chick, Martha McIsaac? I look, yeah, I Becca. looked up, yeah. I looked up all the tertiary uh, female roles that all are obviously underwritten, and they they're still in stuff. She was in, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, also a random character that you might recognize from something else, Brooke Dillman, who plays. Um, Mrs. Hayward, the uh, home ec teacher, you might recognize her from The Office as the uh, ugly landlord lady who Pam sets Michael up for a date on after the dinner oh. party episode. Yeah, she showed up, and I was like, "Is that the landlord lady, wow, like from The Office?" That's pretty impressive. Random um, cast of just the, stars. An- another thing going for this movie is I think it has four of the most iconic uh, sequences in comedy history. One being the dick drawing montage that went down in history. Yeah. It the looked, most detailed dicks. Yeah. Ever legitimately drawn. the, the McLovin liquor store scene, that whole thing is amazing. And it obviously, that was also portrayed in the trailer and it was a big part of the sell of the movie is this McLovin thing that became like the first meme ever. Almost uh, the period blood on the pants thing. That's another, like these things just like stick around. Like they're yeah. still here. And then this is just for me maybe, but Michael Sarah singing These Eyes in, yeah. the, in the cocaine These room eyes. of the party is, I think, the funniest part of the whole movie. It's so He's good. so genuinely do, 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 going do. for it. <laughs> this movie is 10 years old this year. Yeah, this movie has insane legacy to it. Like, its impact is massive. Are there, you know, is it, are things about it dated? Yes. Would it be made today? Probably not. Uh, well, are if th- it was made today, it would be Booksmart. Exactly. Which is, so, we're going to be talking about Superbad a lot. Yeah, and are there are there too many movies from the male perspective? Of course. Um, oh, this is actually, this is 12 years old. It came out in 07. Oh, okay. Yeah. But I think that this is a top five all-time high school movie. Like, full stop. It's really something. Like, I really agree. Like, I, I was almost, I feel like one of the reasons why I haven't watched this movie, because, I mean, like I said, like, as a teenage boy, I used to watch this movie constantly. I had it on my iPod video, and I would just, <laughs> this and Tenacious D, Pick of on Destiny, I would just play on a loop yeah. constantly. And, and I was almost nervous to revisit it, because I was like, oh, God, a lot of it might not hold up the way I have this, I put it up on this pedestal. No, man, this deserves the pedestal that is held up on. It's, like, it is it's so It's a very good. funny movie. And again, like, theme, like Jonah Hill ending up with Emma Stone, of course that's a horrible thing to... <laughs> like, sorry, Jonah, but that, that's... That ain't gonna happen. And, and yeah, that's why Longshot has gotten preemptively panned by a lot of people before seeing it, because that is a trope that needs to be dead. But... This is 2007. This is a dumb movie written by 12-year-olds. Best movie written by 12-year-olds of all time. Super bad. Super bad. All right. Well, that's our top three Rogan and Longshot. Let us know what your favorite Seth Rogen flicks are. Is it The Green Hornet? Mm. Uh, just some quick um Oh, I had I had, did have a couple mentions. of honorable mentions. 50-50. Uh, Never with, saw that. With JGL. That's a good movie. Uh, the Interview. The disaster artist. I don't. I don't like, I don't the, like interview. the interview. <laughs> I do not like the interview at all. It's solid. I, I like. It's I think that the first scene with Eminem is the only part that's interesting or funny in that entire movie. Um, Neighbors. Neighbors with Zac Efron. Neighbors. I think is like it's better than bad. Like it's. I think it's better I, than mid tier, but I it's definitely not high tier. Yeah, I feel like I don't like Neighbors. And Zach and Miri make a porno. I was gonna say Zach and Miri make a porno and knocked up. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Knocked up, yeah. Knocked up is actually was if we were making a top five, that would have been in there. Well, and I that was that movie. That was the one that was actually the star maker for him. Also, it was like, no, he can start because that was before yeah. even Pineapple Express. Yeah, or anything. Well, also, I was gonna say he is great in Funny People. 
Like um, Funny People is a oh, movie yeah, yeah. that like I love the first two thirds of that movie, and then it's like it's so thirty long. minutes too. Long. It's the ultimate Judd Apatow movie yeah. where it's just like it's so great, and then it keeps going, and then you're just like numb but to everything. Great performance by him in it, but though. yeah, no, yeah. he is awesome in that movie. Um, and then I love just whenever he pops up and stuff like the league as yep. Dirty Randy in the league. <laughs> he is awesome. Yeah, and then he does roles. his production work in television. Yeah, Preacher, Preacher yep. and um, Future Man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he's doing stuff. He has him another and, show called Black Monday with uh, Cheadle. Yeah. Him and Evan are are steady popping. He might not be in movies for much longer, depending on how things go yeah. with his face. But. <laughs> uh, I mean, he's going to be around. I he'll, Maybe he won't be a leading man, but he's still going to pop up and stuff. People, like, movies still need a fat, funny guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's not that fat well, anymore. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe he should gain that weight back. <laughs> maybe there will be more jobs for him. That's All right. Uh, so we bought a mic, Twitter, Instagram, and Gmail. Let us know what you thought. Follow us and stick around for catch up in a few days. Game of Thrones, instant reactions. And, uh, yeah, Detective Pikachu. Lots of more cool stuff. What about you guys? Um, Twitter, Letterbox at Hunt Mobley. Um, not Hunter Mobley. Fuck that guy. <laughs> He's a preacher in Missouri. He can go fuck himself. At Hunt Mobley. Drew D, Letterboxd, uh, yada, yada. <laughs> and I'm at Calvinist, Letterbox, Twitter, Instagram. Hit me up and stick around. Let us know what you thought. We love you. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye. Bye.